0: It's a podcast. This is Matt and you're listening to the Road to Freedom Pod. you find me on Instagram and Twitter at Matt and today is Saturday, July 9th, 2022. It has been, it's been a day. I mean, I got up a little bit later than I would have liked to have, got some work done, and been trying to work a little bit on my business each day. Um, That's something that just has kind of been put on my mind recently, is, is really working on the business so much as working in the business as well um when businesses are smaller you obviously have to work in the business you have to wear a lot of hats and so uh you have to be the uh sourcer the not sourcer but the person who sources like the person who looks for inventory you have to be uh the the packer the prepper the shipper the customer service person the uh liaison between amazon and yourself like you have to be a lot you have to be the owner you have to be the person up top making the the decisions you're everything and so a lot of times we get wrapped up in like the first couple of things I mentioned there, the person who looks for inventory, the person who does all the prepping and shipping, the person who does some customer service, and you're not necessarily working on the business. And so that's working in the business, but working on the business is you actually working to be like the CEO person of the business and going, okay, um, what do I need to do to improve the business? Where are things going haywire? Where are the next steps that we need to be taking to grow our business? and grow it sustainably? What are the the ways that we need to uh, improve? What are the things about our business that need to be taken out? And what are the things that need to be added in? And and just making those decisions is is some of the things that you need to do when you're working on the business. And so I've been trying to do that a little bit each day. I was listening to um, a video recording on one of the Facebook groups that I'm in. And it's a guy named Jimmy Smith, which doesn't sound like a real name, but it is his real name. And he was doing a Facebook Live with a guy who wrote the book Proven Plans of Action, which I believe I've talked about on this podcast a little bit. And the guy was basically saying it it was about Amazon account health, but he did mention something about you should be taking a little bit of time to work on your business every day. And I did think about that. I thought, you know, I've been somebody who's a big proponent of working on my business. And recently, I've been grinding so much on Amazon, grinding so much on uh, getting my accounting squared away for Amazon as I, I work on that part of my business And I haven't been working on the business from a top-down view of looking at where are things kind of falling apart? Where are things that need to be improved? Where are things that are working good? So I've been taking a little bit of time each day to kind of reflect on that. And especially Friday, Saturdays, those are kind of my days to work on that because it's the weekend. And as much as I work on the weekends, like I I do work every day um, and I work really hard on the weekends, but it is kinda nicer to at least have something that I find more enjoyable to do because I do like working on the business much more than working in the business. Working in the business is usually um, the monotonous tasks, buying things and looking for product and scrolling through Keepa and then prepping things or you're putting things in poly bags. Like that's that's not it's really not why I'm doing this. I, I don't want to do that for the rest of my life. I'd like to outsource that. And so working on the business will help me to to be able to do that one day. Um, hopefully sooner than later, but uh, we'll get to that as, as kind of things ramp up with, with the amount of inventory that I'm selling on Amazon. And so things have been good. We didn't really have any big releases today. We had one Dunk Low. I didn't go for it. Wasn't that great of a... The colorway wasn't bad, but it wasn't that great of profits on uh, StockX or eBay from what I was seeing. And reason for that being Dunk lows is usually retail around $100 to $110. They're usually not too expensive. For whatever reason, Nike decided this one was a $130 Dunk Low. And so, when they kind of roll a shoe out like that, where they make the retail price much more expensive, it's it's kind of screws the the buyer over of the shoe to resell it because prices are gonna cut into your margins, and people are only willing to pay so much for a shoe. So even though it was a hundred and thirty dollar shoe, people aren't willing to pay the extra premium on that to uh, make resellers be able to make their money, and so prices weren't super good. I saw a lot of 150 to $170 price action on StockX for bids and for asks and stuff. So it wasn't, it wasn't too much that I could have made on those. So I didn't go for them. And I just passed. And so that was really the only release that we had today. Outside of that, we have some releases coming up the next week. I'm really looking forward though to some of the basketball shoe releases and then obviously Yeezy Day and the Travis Scott one low the jordan one travis Scott low that comes out uh later i believe i believe it's either the following week so like not next week but the week after and so we got some stuff to look forward to next week's going to be slow um i think a lot of people pass over basketball shoe releases which is a, a massive thing if there's a shoe that's in high demand and they put low stock out on nike it's going to sell out and people are going to want to buy it and they'll, they'll pay resale for it we can see this with even let's take like an example of the pg6 This year, it's really good. Last year's was good. It was a decent model, but this year's model is like fire. It's been a really good shoe. It's been sold out on almost every site in good colorways. And so they did a release, Nike released the shoe on, I think Foot Locker or Champs in this colorway, it's called the Painted Swoosh. Go look it up on Google and you can kind of see some of the the aesthetics of it. Beautiful shoe. Like for a basketball shoe, usually colorways suck. And this colorway was fire, a really good looking shoe so much so that I like sent it to people and was like like people that I talk sneakers with and some of my cousins and stuff was like, look at this, like this thing's actually pretty sick. And I was pretty pumped about it. I didn't end up buying it and it was on a discount for whatever reason, there was a discount running on Foot Locker and you could couple that with the shoes. So on the release day, I think you get like 20 bucks off. So it was a hundred dollars. And they didn't have a lot of stock of it. I thought it was gonna hit Nike.com, it never did. And so very good colorway, very, very good basketball shoe this year. Um, and it's reselling right now around 200 bucks, And so it's not every every size and stuff, but I don't think there was that many sizes bought for resale because I can't find them. It's not on StockX yet. There's not that many on eBay. And there's really not that many on Goat. So like if you want that shoe and you want that colorway, you're going to have to pay up. I should have obviously like probably bought several pairs of those instead of holding the Puma MB ones that I'm holding right now, which if you want a basketball shoe, that's good. Those are phenomenal. I really do like the shoe. It's very comfy cushioning on it's phenomenal and i am talking about this a little bit because it's just something that i'm passionate about is like basketball shoes and the way that they're built and so the pg-6 obviously not like a a hype shoe but selling better than most hype shoes are right now right if you look at the off-white air force one mids that came out those things are hideous and if you buy those for personal um you may need to consult like a psychiatrist or something because they are ugly like they are you are purely buying a shoe because of it's like that it's an off-white branded shoe because that thing is so so putrid. And so, in that way, like, this shoe, completely, like, different spectrum. It's a performance shoe, the PG-6. It's a shoe that was not meant for for like hype it wasn't meant for people to wear it like to show off or anything obviously the colorway is a little bit more flashy but like it probably wasn't meant to be something that drives sneaker culture it's just a it's just a basketball shoe and it's not anything really to write home about other than the fact that it's like a pretty decent one this year and so that in itself really wouldn't matter but so many people want the shoe it's sold out on most sites and that particular colorway is so hard to get and it's such a good colorway that people are willing to pay over $100 uh, extra for the shoe. So it's just crazy how much money um, you can make if you can kind of identify some of these opportunities. Uh, Later this month, we have the Jordan 37s coming out. I'm bullish on those for the first colorway. I think it's going to probably sell out pretty quick. I think people will want it. Um, Obviously, Nike has free 60-day returns, so I'll probably get a couple pairs of those and see what happens with those and then we have a Luca one coming out at the end of this month or beginning of next month and I think that's going to be fire I think that a lot of people are going to want that shoe because Luca is one of the most prominent players in the NBA and it's his first signature shoe and like we saw with the Zion ones in the first couple colorways of those I ended up making some money on those I think I made a lot of money on them actually I think I made probably like a hundred bucks on each of the first colorways that came out like the first colorway I got like three pairs of those and I think I made a hundred bucks a pair and then after that Profits weren't obviously as good, uh, but I think I did end up making, you know, 50 to 40 to 50 bucks. Now, eBay didn't have fees back then for sneakers over $100 that were athletic shoes. So, you know, that was a different time, but still, I mean, take away, I don't know, maybe an extra 7 to 10% of what that was. And you're still looking at somewhere between, you know, $80 profit on that first shoe to $90. And then on the second shoe, probably 30 to 40 bucks. So not bad. Definitely not bad profit. And again, first shoes of a signature line typically will do well if the player's hyped. And Luca is one of the most hyped players in the NBA. He's obviously a very, very good basketball player. And, uh, like a bright star in in, uh, amongst the the players in the NBA so I think his shoe will do well I think a lot of people like Luca and then I also think that the Jordan 37 could have some resale potential because if it ends up being a good basketball shoe which that's another thing we could talk about real quick basketball shoes don't necessarily do they're not they don't perform the same year in year out and I didn't realize this at first but there are certain basketball shoes of older like of an older model of the exact same line of shoe that performs better and therefore will have resale value as as the line continues on and so there's certain models of i don't know like the lebron like the, Le, the lebrons that have come out right lebrons they're not typically a great basketball shoe at least from what i've seen they're they're kind of crappy which is weird because they're the most expensive nike shoe and they're also like the obviously like the, the best one of the best players if not the best player of all time right like you can kind of go back and forth between him and Jordan um, but like very very prominent NBA player if not athlete like of, of all time right like one of the most prominent athletes and his shoe sucks like it's it, I don't know if it's year in year out but like, the LeBron 19 this year, it, it is really, really bad. It's, it's very uncomfortable from what a lot of people said. There's too much bounce. There's not enough cushioning. The grip is terrible, so there's no traction when you're on the court. If you're playing on a dusty court, like, if you're not playing on, like, a professionally clean court or, like, a gym that really cleans their courts often... You're probably going to play on a dusty court. If you're just playing pickup basketball with some friends, that's probably where most of us are wearing our shoes. I don't imagine that there's any NBA players listening to this. And so you're going to be sliding around a lot in this shoe. And so it's kind of crazy, but there are previous models of the shoe that have performed better. And so in some ways, like it doesn't carry over shoe to shoe to shoe in the same line that it gets better every year as you would expect, right? You'd expect the 2011 to be better than the 2010 and then the 2012 to beat the 11, the 13 to beat the 12 and like so on and so on and so on and the whole way up to this year's line and it's just not the case, right? The, the engineers at Nike, they are obviously very good at what they do, but some of them get it wrong and sometimes they roll that out there on a shoe. You can obviously see it when a, a player isn't really wearing his top of the line stuff, right? LeBron didn't play in the LeBron 19s all that much uh, from what I heard. And I obviously didn't study it that well but a lot of people were reporting that he didn't really play in them all that much compared to some of the other shoes and even some of the other shoes in his line or even other Nike shoes. And so it's kind of crazy like it really speaks volumes to whether or not the shoe's good if the player that it is, the, it is made for is not really wearing it. And so it kind of strikes me as crazy when like basketball players or, or people that do YouTube reviews who have been playing basketball for a while put a shoe on and they're like this shoe sucks I don't understand why they made this it just drives me crazy how somebody like LeBron who you would think would have the best basketball shoe gets this absurd looking shoe that he doesn't even wear and it doesn't have good traction it doesn't really have it's like it's overbuilt right for the average person and obviously LeBron's much larger than the average person we get it but like it's way overbuilt and it doesn't make very much sense exactly how it's constructed if you're just like an average I don't know five foot 10 ish dude like 150 to 175 pounds like not a shoe built for you you would think they would at least like roll that out there as like the the general line right and they used to do this with they had like a LeBron uh, I think it was called I don't know what it was called it was like this pro line which was like made with better materials and better stuff and tech built into the shoe for like serious basketball players and then you'd have like your regular average Joe's who so you just want to play and there's like a line for them and then there's the, the lebron witness line which is like the cheapo-ish model of the lebron series so if you want to just buy a pair of lebrons and you don't want to pay up too crazy you can get that that shoe there and so the soldier series i think was another one that he did so like there's a whole lot of of ways you can go with this but the basic thing is shoes don't perform year in to year out the same way and so if they make a lot of modifications on the Jordan 37, I don't think they are. I've, I've seen some leaks of it and stuff. I don't think there's a ton of mods. But if they make a ton of mods and the shoe doesn't perform as well as the 36, it's probably not going to resell, right? If it's a terrible basketball shoe, probably not going to resell. But if they make a few slight upgrades and the shoe doesn't have a lot of stock on that first colorway, it's actually a slightly better upgrade of the Jordan 36, and which is a, a really, really phenomenal basketball shoe from all accounts. Let's say it has, Let's say the 37 has slightly better cushioning. The traction's a little bit better and, you know, it's just more fun to play in or it's lighter or, like, there's something better about it, people will probably pay up, they'll probably pay resale for it. And so that's something that I'm looking at now because, really, there's opportunity everywhere with reselling. And I feel like sometimes we get roped into the scarcity mindset, roped into, hey, like, there's not enough out there, retail arbitrage, online arbitrage, all of it's dead. I need to, like, revamp my business and do something wild. Like, just, just kind of take a step back and realize, like, there's profit most places and you really need to just understand that niche that store the where to offload the inventory like there's profit to be made i was just listening to a podcast of a guy who was locally buying gift cards from people like you know you get gift cards for your birthday for a wedding whatever um and he was getting gift cards He was buying them from people for like pennies on the dollar so like say somebody had a hundred dollar target gift card he's buying it for 50 bucks and reflipping it locally for like 75 or 80 bucks and so that was his business like that was his full-time business is just doing that and i don't really want to do that it doesn't sound that fun to me i really don't want to meet up with a bunch of people and like potentially get stabbed for like uh, a target gift card that's really not what i want to do but it was interesting like there is really profit to be made everywhere you just have to find the arbitrage, and it depends. It all really depends on how creative you want to get. And I think that boring businesses sometimes are better than like crazy creative, like hairbrained Albert Einstein businesses. But both of them will work. It just depends on the operator and kind of how it's constructed and stuff. And so in that way, like basketball shoes, they're very profitable sometimes, and people don't realize it. And this podcast isn't like going to reach like it doesn't have like the reach of some like the top podcasts. I'm not worried about like blowing up this entire niche. But if you're out there and you're looking to make some money, um, basketball shoes can definitely be that, especially some of these new releases. You obviously have to have some capital to work with, which is like the tough part. So that's where you'd want to start with like a retail arbitrage going into stores like Marshalls, Ross, Burlington, all that kind of stuff. And you would want to go into those stores buy up some inventory see if it sells if it doesn't sell return it before the return date and like kind of go from there build up a little bit of capital and then you can start to deploy it on some of these Nike releases again if those don't sell return them get your money back and keep it moving and so that's kind of something that I've been looking into I think it's very profitable I think there's a lot of opportunity there you just have to understand the niche well enough I don't know if I'm there yet I think that there's a lot of a lot more that I need to do with it but as I continue to just do something that I enjoy, which is watch basketball sneaker reviews and obviously get them in as I try and flip some of them and like try a pair on here and there and say, hey, this this shoe feels like there's better cushioning. This shoe feels like there's better bounce depending on the tech in it and stuff. Like that kind of stuff is fun. It can also turn into a profitable sort of like side income for my business. And so that's something that I'm doing right now. Um, kind of an offshoot there, but working on the business, let's just double back to that real quick before I wrap this up. Um, working on the business has been something that I've been working at trying to do and um, just to wrap it all up you know trying to pull my numbers together from all of these different incomes between eBay and Amazon and some of the other things that you know are out there it's it's tough and so you really do have to understand your numbers that's something that I'm working on I'm reading this book called Profit First I said it earlier for, for e-com sellers so there's a Profit First book I read that last year implemented into my business has changed the way I do business it's been really really helpful but it's not written for everyone right it's it's written for everyone but it doesn't cater towards every business super specifically like the business needs and so there are i think about five or six offshoots there's one for like uh sweaty biz- businesses which would be like your landscaping your contracting all that kind of stuff uh things that would require like you know some sweat equity putting in actual like man manual labor and stuff like that um and then there's one for e-commerce. And that's the one that I'm reading right now. It's actually written for Amazon sellers, which is really cool. And, and down to like the detail of like, here's how often your payouts will be. Here's the dates they typically pay out between. So let's figure out what our cash flow is going to be based on those dates. Like very, very niche down for Amazon sellers. And so that's not something I realized last year. I didn't know that that existed. And if I did see it, I probably thought it was like just some like spammy thing. And I ended up finding out about it through a YouTube video somewhere. But it is a very helpful book for breaking down your costs, breaking down your profit and loss, and trying to figure out, you know, what's my cash flow going to look like. So I'm reading through that right now. I'm going to kind of give a breakdown on it at some point and kind of give you my thoughts on it. So far, highly recommend it, though. And I would probably, like, if you need it now, now, and you're, like, super concerned about your numbers and you're, like, thinking you're going to be screwed, probably read that really quick. But then I'd also look at the profit first book, the original one. So you kind of understand the the information that's in the Profit First for Ecom Sellers book. Probably not necessary, but for me, it's really helpful. And so I'm gonna implement that into my business. There's a couple tweaks made for the e-commerce sellers. One of the biggest things is just having a separate account for your inventory expenses, separate from your regular expenses, which is something I've always thought of. I don't know why I didn't do it, but it is. it does make sense because you have expenses like, I don't know, proxies and servers and bots and stuff like that it's not inventory you're not going to resell that you can resell the bots but you're probably not going to um or you may not resell the proxies like those are those are an expense that will not be resold and so those things are like expenses but obviously inventory it is an expense on your bank account but it is different because it's something that will accrue value and hopefully make you money or at least turn into cash uh, something that you will be able to spend money on and then turn into some sort of profit and so it's a little bit different and you should kind of handle those differently in my opinion and so that's what i'm going to be doing um i just need to get another bank account set up which is totally cool the bank probably thinks i'm nuts um because they're probably like this guy's got way too many accounts just the way the profit first system works you break all your stuff out into separate bank accounts for expenses taxes all this kind of stuff uh read the book if you kind of want more information on it or listen to the podcast as i finish up the second book but either way. that's something that I'll be implementing as well is trying to work on that and trying to get my expenses uh, down pat and really building a business that would be sellable one day should I want to go that route. Like that's that's the ultimate goal, building something that works on its own that you have clear numbers for because if you want to sell it, and like there's probably a day where I want to sell it, right? It's not something that's in my mind now, but having a business that's built to sell also builds it in a way that you can see your numbers clearly and is built efficiently and can run on its own, right? Nobody wants to buy a business that has poor numbers, poor data, uh, can't run as, run on its own, so it needs the operator to be there. Like nobody, that's not a business. That's just a, a self-employed job. Right? Like you didn't create a business. You created a job at that point. So for me, I, I want to build something that could be sold so that if I want to sell it, I can. And that may happen down the road. But really what I want is something that can run on its own so that I don't need to be in it every day. And obviously if it's a business that's making money that I can sell, but I don't need to because somebody else is basically doing the, the everyday stuff and I just have to check in on it every once in a while that's good like that's a stream of uh, income that i don't need to necessarily be dealing with day in day out all day and so if i can build that then why would i sell that really that's a steady stream of income that that would be able to support me and my family down the road and obviously be a little bit more passive than it is right now and so that's something i'm working towards but building it so that you can sell it kind of puts it in that position that it will be able to run on its own because again if you're going to sell a business it needs to be able to run on its own or or Pretty much so, right? Like you can be there for a month or so to be able to like get the kinks worked out and stuff and pass it on to somebody, but it really needs to be able to operate on its own without having you in there pulling all the levers and, you know, playing with the gears and stuff like that. Like it needs to be an its own operating thing. And so that's something I'm working on, obviously in like step one of however many steps it takes to get there. Um, but I have a little bit of experience with eBay and stuff like that. And I have some experience with the accounting side of stuff. So I feel good from that perspective. It's just going to be obviously outsourcing, building up a, a consistent stream of inventory, and building up a good cash flow model to be able to figure out what are my cash flows going to look like? When do I need to have more cash versus less cash? When do I need to have inventory heavy uh, versus inventory light? And probably inventory heavy, like just kind of throwing it out there, probably would want to be inventory heavy sometime around Q4 when people are buying heavy want to be inventory light sometime around q2 q3 ish because people are not buying as much then so you know just kind of working those things out planning actually like planning for the year ahead that's stuff i want to get into and really like work on as a business owner but it takes time and so i'm just kind of trying to build the systems out again the profit first stuff i'm going to do the, the light stuff at first and kind of get it working i already have it implemented anyways into my business but i am going to at least get like the stuff that's simple like get an extra bank account for inventory purchases check that'll be easy uh get an extra bank account if like that'll be the one thing and then if there's some other small things I can do I'll do those and then if I need to build out other kind of systems and stuff that'll kind of be on the back burner for after I get my inventory kind of figured out and how I'm going to find profitable inventory and consistently get inventory and stuff like that so it's all it's all kind of a work in progress but that is the way things are going so Anyway, if any of that interests you or somebody you know, obviously forward them the podcast. It's the way people find out about it. Uh, But come rock with me for the next, I don't know, however many months, years, because that's what I'm going to be doing is kind of documenting my building a business on Amazon journey on here and then kind of whatever else I find myself getting into. So with that being said, I'm going to go. You guys have a great rest of your Saturday. Have a great weekend. And I'll talk to you tomorrow with another podcast. Have a good one. Peace.